Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan and, for the first time ever, David Woolman. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, David. Thank you for having me, guys. We are uh, we are back, guys. It's been a uh, it's been an eventful past few months. The podcast <laughs> has been in a bit of an off season as we all uh, continue to adjust to the ongoing pandemic and whatnot. But we are back, and what a time to be back because for the first time, I mean, this if you had asked this question back in March or April, the responses would have been all over the place. Where we actually have high school football on the docket later on this week. The UIL gets going later on this week with its four smallest classifications. Now, as far as to what that means to our coverage area, we only have two schools that are impacted by that, Salina and Sunnyvale. Um, nevertheless, they do get going later on this week, but obviously with high school football being back in swing, we are. Um, this is going to be our, uh, our, official, uh, our official preview looking ahead to the, I guess, the, uh, the full-fledged high school football season when things get going for the majority of our schools, the other 40-some-odd schools that we cover later on. Obviously, we'll still work in Salina and Sunnyvale plenty, especially given just how uh, everybody's going to be kind of on pins and needles later this week, just seeing how everything goes. But yes, this is going to be our um, Star Local Media's official high school football preview, and it's um, it's going to be a nice little lead up to our annual uh, all-market football tab, the 2020 Gridiron Preview, which comes out mid-September. I believe that will be in papers September 17th, 18th, and 20th. And um, we've been doing this for the past handful of years. This is basically, again, it is our all-market high school football tab. We pre- preview every single school that we cover, full-fledged previews. Nearly 50 high schools are covered. We touch on every other di- every district that those schools are in, um, and then everything from player spotlights to schedules. Obviously, given the, the chaotic nature of, uh, of the high school football offseason, those schedules are changing by the week, it seems. So, um, yes, that'll obviously be a very, very, very useful resource. And then we have for each district, the, the key district games to watch. It is, for my money, the best thing that this company does. I mean, so much effort is put into this. And this year certainly will be no different. Um, but yes, that comes out in mid-September. So, in anticipation of that, let's um, let's talk about just some of the uh, the the most important plot points, storylines. Let's just let's break it down this style. All right, the twenty of the most important questions leading up to Star Local Media's high school football coverage for the twenty twenty season. This is going to be the first of a five part series. We're going to go four questions each week, just uh, just a gamut of questions that cover every aspect um, from things that relate to the pandemic to just how we feel like specific teams are going to fare, key players to watch, just as many different angles as we can hit, all leading up to, uh, I guess, September 24th, which is, I guess, the start of uh, things in 5A and 6A. Yes, <laughs> knock on wood, very much so. So, um, yeah, guys, let's uh, let's get rolling. Let's start right at the top. And you know what? Obviously, given the pandemic, it, it is only suitable to start with a question related to the pandemic, because if it's one thing that I'm sure you guys have gathered in, your, um, in the interviews that you guys have been doing with teams as far as how they are handling this. Um, 
you know, everybody is on the same playing field, so to speak, and that they're all dealing with the same restrictions, the same guidelines, but how this is impacting one team versus another, it's different because teams enter the off season with just with different questions that they have to uh, have to resolve. And, you know, some of that has certainly been hamstrung a bit just because of, you know, not getting to have spring ball, not getting just any sort of traditional off season from an evaluation standpoint. So the question I want to bat around is which football teams in our coverage area are most impacted by the pandemic and just how is the pandemic kind of affected preparations for this season. Um, so let's see, uh, Devin, where did you uh, where did you kind of land on this as far as just kind of how our teams are, uh, which teams are kind of most are facing a, a greater uh, a greater struggle due to the pandemic? Well, you, you know, you mentioned the level playing field, and I think that that really does apply to all our Class Six A and Class Five A programs. I mean, certainly every year there's different turnover. I mean, you know, you're going to have your teams that graduate seventeen, or, you know, graduate seventeen starters, and mm-hmm. so you're going to have your teams that return seventeen starters. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the one that, that jumped out is the one you mentioned, Sunnyvale, who's actually starting this week, mm-hmm. simply because of where they are. They're in a very unique position being in Dallas County. So they've had to deal with all these Dallas County edicts. Now they've been able to revise those, and they've been able to get back to work. Um, but they were left scrambling, um, just like everybody else. But then all of a sudden, when they announced, when the UIL came out and said 4A and below can start as scheduled, well, a lot of the teams that they're going to be playing against and a lot of the teams that you know that they were looking for opponents, common opponents, they're – they're already back in school in person. Mm-hmm. It is it's business as usual for a lot of these schools, and for Sunnyvale, not that's not the case. And so they've had a, had a really scramble. I know Coach Settle was just you know just banging his head on the desk sometimes trying to get you know get games scheduled. And as as a result, it wasn't necessarily the, the kind of schedule they might like. I mean, they got to go on the road this Friday to go to Waco Conley, mm-hmm. a very good Waco Conley team, by the way. They went twelve and one last year. Wow. But then they're at Melissa. They're at Kennedale. Um, and then they have two open weeks. They're still trying to find a possible Man. opponent for one of those. But um, so they start later this week, but they don't have a home game until October. Really, and only three right now scheduled for the season. So you know, and it's just again, um, if the season plays out the way, and, and we don't have any more hiccups, any more delays, by the time they get to the playoffs, they'll be back on even footing. But early on, you know, just the fact that some of these other programs will be able to work out and, and stay in routine, yeah. Sunnyvale hadn't been able to do that. They've had to deal with some of the Dallas County stuff and just trying to trying to juggle everything in particular. So there's, they're the ones that I thought, uh, at least early on, kind of got the, the raw end, mm-hmm. you know, compared to some of their other Class 4 competitors. Now, how big is the district that Sunnyvale is in? Like, how many games are they going to get as a tune-up before? It's, I mean, it's, it's just a six-team district. Okay. Um, so, you know, they again, they, they have the three road games to start, and then they got um, Frisco Memorial of all teams to go over there and play Why not? In, their, in their final yeah, non-district. You'll take anybody and, in their situation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, again, you know, it's just it's, it's odd, you know, just having the two bye weeks right now. And, and again, they, they may be able to fill one of, those, mm-hmm. one of those spots, but to play three weeks and then take two weeks away from playing – and then jump back, and at least they had that final non-district tune-up. They don't have, you know, say two weeks right before district starts mm-hmm. off. I remember Plano East went through that that double bye week scenario back to back a handful of years ago. Obviously, it wasn't in the midst of a pandemic. It was because they had an out of state team one year, and they just mm-hmm. they couldn't find someone to fill that spot the following year. And it was, um, yeah, it, it certainly impacted the product when they got back there. It's maybe just a little bit too much time off in yeah. consecutive weeks for sure. Uh, David, where did you land on this one, man? As far as kind of which uh, which schools you feel like are being more greatly impacted by the pandemic. Well, I actually looked at a couple options last night because I was thinking about what you're going to say. <laughs> so I went on my note, little notepad right here and uh, listed a couple options. But right. um, what you come up with? The one that really sticks out is Capel. Yeah, it's kind of a similar situation to yeah. Sunnyvale in ways. It, yeah. yeah, it's like you said, 11 level playing field, having to deal with Dallas County health ordinances right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
uh, they had to shut down practice, you know, um, because of the Dallas County Health Order on the 17th of June. Mm-hmm. And now um, they just finally got back to working out um, August the 3rd. And the other teams in the district, every other team in the district, they're located in Denton County. So they're able to practice. In Collin County with Plano ISD. Yeah, in Collin yeah. County too, yeah. Um, yeah, the Plano ISD uh, schools are new to the, their district mm-hmm. this year. So um, all those schools have been able to practice while Capel, like, you know, all they're able to do is Zoom meetings and, you know, their mm-hmm. individual workouts. Um, I actually talked to their quarterback and, you know, like the most they've been able to they're able to get in, into team drills over that time mm-hmm. is just went to a park in town to yeah. work on some skill you improvise. stuff. You got to improvise a little bit. So they went out to, uh, they went out, they told me they went on a little, uh, meeting online and just uh, said, Hey, you know, we need to get some practice in, you know? So they went out to a park a couple of times, but you know, that's the only times they've been really able to go for about like about a month and a half right there. So, um, cause their district is Capel, Then they have the Fireman schools and then Louisville on there too, Hebron mm-hmm. and uh, all the playoffs schools. So, you know, just, you know they're 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 behind there for a while for sure, and that's the thing in a district that's shaping up to be that competitive. It just feels like any little edge you can get, and just to be set back, just in any sort of fashion, it just yeah, you can naturally see why Capel would feel like it's at a bit of a disadvantage, and for no reason that's really within yeah. their control. It just happened to be where they're located at, yeah, being in Dallas County. Yeah, Portico to it. He's handcuffed. It's like, what can I do here? Yeah. With this, um, I kind of landed on just as far as um, you know. Team, I look at teams that you know everything has been so chaotic. With, I mean, just having to get so many different questions answered as far as an evaluation standpoint, not getting to go through the traditional routine normally. And this is where I think you know it really. Even though there are different schools of thought as far as having spring ball versus not having it, you know, a school like Lake Dallas has just recently gone away from having spring ball because they felt like they could just get enough accomplished within their just their athletics period. But then, I mean, you look at like right now. I mean, if you're these teams that are having to go through massive personnel turnover or if you're breaking in a brand new head coach especially one that was hired during the pandemic yeah. like a Plano for example when they brought in uh, Todd Ford you know um, former Lovejoy head coach and I mean as you're having to again, just acclimate your kids to just brand new systems and brand new I mean install and whatnot and just to not be able to get to do that in a traditional fashion having to have again like a lot of virtual Zoom meetings and whatnot it's just it's so unique teams are really having to think outside the box and I think I guess it won't be until we get to September that we really see see just how much it kind of impacts the progression of things. Cause then I look at a team like Allen, for example, I mean, as, as bulletproof as Allen's resume has been over the years, I mean, they're in a situation where they're having to replace just about their entire starting defense. And granted that feels like we say that I feel like I've said that, you know, like every year it feels like for the past few years, but I mean, you know, they've, they've, they've done so with such ease in the past, but now, I mean, without getting to go through traditional spring ball reps, getting to go against, you know, have some sort of like a, just being able to simulate some, some sort of live games type setting to not be able to do that now. I mean, what's it going to be like when you, again, when you don't get to do that in the spring, the first time they get to do that is then for their scrimmage, you know, next month. But I mean, just how much of a, uh, you know, how much does that kind of set you back? How much does it set you back? If you have a brand new quarterback, a team like Allen, for example, which, you know, is, um, you know, two of the names that are in consideration to take over at quarterback are um, general booty, a transfer from California and Parker Wells, a transfer from Saxe. And I mean, these are two quarterbacks that are brand new to the school, brand mm-hmm. new to the program, have no experience playing in that system. So like you said, David, you know, I mean, a lot of their, uh, you know, the work that they've been able to do is just going to a park and working out with the, you know, with the green twins and the other receivers and whatnot, or obviously the UIL help teams out by giving them that hour, you know, each day during their, uh, their strength and conditioning workouts to give you at least some sort of time to try to at least establish some sort of continuity based on what you had going in the off season. But I mean, again, to not have at, at, at any point been able to line up against an actual defense and actually go 
gone through normal game-like reps, it's, I mean, I'm just curious to see if it leads to at least early in the season, a bit of a choppier product than, uh, than usual for some of these teams. Um, so I was going to add on, um, another school that, um, we're discussing, uh, schools right here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the colony is another one that's actually affected too. Sure. I mean, look at all the talent that they lost from last year. Absolutely, that was a massive senior class they graduated. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, Miles Price, you got Keith Miller, you know, uh, Christian Gonzalez. Yeah. You know, they're off to Division One schools. You, you, even their quarterback, Mikey Harrington, who threw through over three thousand yards last year and thirty six mm-hmm. touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, they got to replace their quarterback too, and no seven on seven, no spring practice. Yeah. So, and they also got two new coordinators as well too. So. I mean, that's, that, that impacts them as well, too. If we move on to our second question, we're going to look now. We're going to go from looking at individual teams to looking at uh, districts. What is the toughest district in our coverage area? <laughs> I mean, how do we – I mean, again, I think it just depends on what sort of things you, you wait. Do you look at, I guess, the district that maybe has, like, just the, the overwhelming, you know, top two, three teams that are all state-ranked and just this elite of the elite at the top of the district? Or are you looking for maybe a bit more balance, a race where you could see, you know, in an 18 district where you feel like seven teams could all be contending for playoff spots? Uh, David, where did you land on this one? Man, what do you think is the toughest district in our coverage area? Um I looked at District 55A Division 1. Okay. Um, you got the top two teams in uh, Division 1 5A right there. I mean, Denton Ryan's number one. Um, Frisco Lone Stars right there at number two. Um, I think Independence is ranked up there pretty good. Um, they have uh, a lot of starters are com- coming back for Independence, eight side on the eight, eight, eight on each side of the ball right mm-hmm. there. They're coming off their best season in program history right there. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they're going to be good. Um, you know, Marty Secord at Wakeland, you know, he, it seems like they're always in the playoffs too. Um, the Colony's been in the playoffs seven years in a row. So, um, you know, that's this, that district's going to be, be tough on me. And, and, and Reedy made the playoffs last year. Yeah. Reedy too. Yeah. So, yeah, that's basically six teams that are coming off playoff bursts. And, I mean, I, that's I, that's kind of where I landed as well, just because you, you do have t- mm-hmm. districts that are top-heavy. Yeah. You know, you look at 7-5-8 Division One. Yeah, absolutely. Poor, poor West Mesquite has to take on, you know, not just Highland Park, who's been a, a long-time nemesis for them, but then, of course, Longview drops down mm-hmm. and, and, and joins that. John Tyler is didn't have the greatest season last year, they, I mean, but they did make the playoffs. It's it's only uh, Tyler now, by the way. Oh, yeah, I know. That's, <laughs> boy, you talk about something that's going to give me headaches this year. Gosh. Tyler um, Legacy and Tyler High School, brother. Yeah, I know. And in, in yeah. fact, I, even uh, Coach Fleener over at Mesquite sent me, he emailed me this schedule. And about 20 minutes later, he texted me, crud, i got to send you a new one. i got to update the, the Tyler Legacy. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to yeah. get a lot of that this year. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that as far as being probably the best overall district, mm-hmm. um, I think the most competitive District could be nine six a. Okay. Um, and I, I just I say that from top to bottom, there's no team that's really separates themselves. I'm not saying this is a, they're gonna like they have a state title contenders. That's not what I'm saying there. Mm-hmm. But you know, Saxe has kind of ruled this district in recent years. Um, you know, they they want to share the district title. That was their fourth year, fourth in a row mm-hmm. last year. But they had, they had four district games decided by three points or less. So they lived a little bit dangerously. And I think Saxe is still your favorites coming in but if you look at some other publications they i've seen name forest pick to win really? um, i've seen lakeview with kamar wheaton uh you know one of the best running backs in the country they think he's enough to give them the edge because there really isn't that separate i mean we've talked about this in, in past years and Saxe's just been so much better than everybody else and rowlett's had their moments where they've been so much better than everybody else but you know if south garland can, 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 can continue to, to improve 
uh, under Coach Martinez in his oh. second year out there. Um, I mean, they actually gave some people games last year, and that hasn't been the case for the last several years. But, I mean, North Garland played teams tough. I mean, they, they lost by only three to Saxe. And so, I mean, I think, again – we're not, these aren't world beaters. These aren't going to be teams that are going to be playing, you know, at the very end of the season. But just from a week in, week out standpoint, I think it's going to come down to, to similar to last year, where you had a three way tie um, for yeah. that for that third and fourth place, and Rowlett was the odd man out for the first time since 2004. I, I think you're going to come down to the end of the season. There's going to be a lot of those. I'm going to be, you know, racking my brain doing all the point differentials and trying to figure <laughs> out what exactly needs to happen because, again, last year uh, Saxon Rowlett went down to the wire. Saxy, you know, stopped a two point conversion with 21 seconds left to win 42 to 40 and that was the difference between you know Rowlett's streak going on and them going home so I mean yeah after the way last year went how could you not mention that and I'm still acclimating to the new districts period because I'm just yeah. I've had it hardwired in my brain for the last two years that 96A is Allen and the Plano ISD schools and whatnot no it's now the Garland ISD district what was 106A last year is now 96A this yeah. year yeah but, and, yeah, I mean, it felt like every week we were coming on here on the podcast, like, can you believe this result in, in 10-6-A? Can you believe this? I mean, just, it felt like, yeah, there was no head and shoulders favorite, and you had at least, you know, five, six teams that you could all make justifiable cases were, you know, contending for playoff spots. Um, let's see. For me, I mean, I was looking at, you know, I mean, you can make a case if you're just talking like just the – maybe the – the most credentialed top three in our coverage area. Maybe you look at five, six, a, you know, with Denton Geyer, number five and six, a Allen, number six, um, and then prosper, which is coming off a year where they went four rounds deep in the playoffs. And they're ranked, I believe in the state's top 20 of the seven teams in that district, five made the playoffs last year, which is certainly a nice little uh, ratio that you like in a discussion like this, because you also had Braswell, which made, which made, which uh, made waves as a, as a co-district champion over in seven, five, eight division two, they went two rounds deep. And then you had McKinney, you know, which was able to once again, Again, just sneak in at the at the wire, and then Boyd was also in contention for a playoff spot. They ended up falling short in that last week. Um, so, I mean, that's a really really strong quality district. You know, six six A's we talked about should have a bit more parity with them. Mm-hmm. When you look at how close the games were last year between Marcus, even though Marcus ran the table last year, it did not come without some resistance. I mean, they went into overtime twice, and then they I mean they had I mean they're all their games against the other Louisville ISD schools and against Capel were all within at least like ten points or less. I mean, again, they were undefeated champion, but I mean, the rest of the districts certainly show that they're really not that far behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you factor in just the you know, swapping in the Plano, you know, the Irving schools for the Plano schools. Obviously, last year was not a particularly great year for Plano ISD in football. The first time in 30 years that the, uh, the entire city did not have a representative in the playoffs. But you expect a little bit more resistance to come from those three than you did, you know, what they've had to deal with with the Irving schools in recent years. But like you guys, I wound up on five five eight division <laughs> one as well. That's the obvious choice. I mean, it's it's an unimpeachable resume, like you said. I mean, the number one and number two teams in the state. Um, Independence is number twelve in the preseason poll. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, Devin, six of the nine teams in the district made the playoffs last year. And then, like you look at last year within that district, and um, in week ten, um, so the second to last week of the regular season, only one team in that district had clinched a playoff spot, Lone Star, and only one team had been eliminated from playoff contention. Liberty. I mean, <laughs> those Frisco schools always play each other close, and then you factor in the arrival of Denton of the Denton schools. You know, Denton High School, which has 18 starters back in two thirds of its roster. Which, I mean, again, during the time of, of a pandemic, I mean, continuity means so much more now than it does in most years, I think. And then, obviously, you know, Denton Ryan with just the finally just the perfect foil for a team like Lone Star that has just kind of lorded over that district in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, that district is just top to bottom. It just it checks all the boxes as far as just the 
dominant top two and then enough parity elsewhere where you feel like, I mean, there's, I mean, you're going to have a lot of, you know, tiebreakers and flux, much like the, uh, the Garland ISD district as well. Um, so yeah, the toughest district in our coverage area, five, five, eight division one. Um, let's see, then, um, we can now shift to talking about some individual players individual standouts. We got a couple few of these questions um, you know over the uh, in the coming weeks on the podcast as far as potential stat leaders in our coverage area and we're going to start at quarterback. Which players could potentially lead Star Local Media's coverage area in passing for this season? As, as we continue to roll with 5-5A five, five, Division 1. Why not, man? Um, <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think obviously the uh, odds-on favorite right now is Garrett Ringale mm-hmm. uh, at Lone Star. Uh, you know, 40, over 4,600 yards last season, 50 touchdowns. Uh, you know, Marvin Mims has graduated. And that matters. But, That's a big... But, 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 but you know, Trace Buckler's back. Yeah. They're, they're, they've got other guys that willing to step in. Uh, Lone Star's been one of those programs... Um, here of late that has churned out big time playmakers. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see who emerges from that group. Um, but certainly Rangel can get them the ball. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess a, a dark horse kind of, I guess is Braylon Braxton Yeah. Uh, over at independence. I mean, a lot of people, you know, see him on highlights and he can move the ball with his legs. He's a great athlete, but you know, he threw for 3,200 yards last year, 45 touchdowns. So, I mean, he's a dual threat, but mm-hmm. he can perform through the air. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think I think he may get a little bit overshadowed when he just look from a numbers standpoint by Rain Gill, but who doesn't? I mean, this is gonna be that's gonna be most people, you know, most players in the state. But um, yeah, certainly Frisco ISD with with two mm-hmm. two players certainly capable of, of leading not just that district, but you know, up there in the state leaders in passing. It's gonna be a very productive year if your first name is Garrett in yeah. the coverage area. It's kind of the sense I'm getting because not just Garrett Rangel with Lone Star, but um, one name that immediately jumps out of the six A level is Garrett Nussmeyer. The reigning 6-6-A MVP over at Marcus, um, who I believe finished third in the, in the area, at least among 6-A quarterbacks in passing. Um, you know, and he still has, one, the one thing I like about Nussmeyer's situation is that he has a lot of continuity going, whereas, you know, with, with Rangel, I mean, Marvin Mims accounted for over 2,600 yards in that offense. Yeah. I mean, it was just, I mean, everything just kind of funneled through that, you know, through that, you know, stud. And, you know, at least with Nussmeyer, he does have his top two pass catchers back, uh, Cal Commit, J. Michael Sturdivant, um, Dallas Dudley, who really shined for them as a sophomore. Now they do have to, you know, they do have some work to do as far as finding a new, uh, a new go-to running back. As Tyson Edwards was, he was named to our all-area team last year, and just, uh, I mean, an absolute just dual threat as far as you know, rushing and receiving yardage and whatnot. So there is a little bit there, but I mean, with Nussmeyer, I mean, you factor in, I mean. One thing that I think helps as far as, you know, finding quarterbacks that have a chance to really put up big numbers is the likelihood that they play the entirety of the, of these games. Yeah. Cause you, I mean, there were times last year when, when, when they were playing those three Irving schools where Nussmeyer would be, I mean, he would be finished at halftime essentially. I mean, it was, they already had put the game away by, you know, five, six, seven touchdowns, you know, but I think this is where a chance to, you know, the district's perceived parity at least should at least work in, in Marcus's favor as far as, you know, Nussmeyer playing, you know, a bit more frequently than he did last year in a few of those games. You know, he had 3,788 passing yards, 38 touchdowns, and this is with, you know, a three-round playoff run as well. Um, but, again, when you factor in the continuity that he has coming back, the fact that he's got a clear mind. I mean, he's, you know, you don't have to worry about the college decision. He's already verbally committed to LSU, so that's not going to be weighing on you as far as just being able to really kind of square your focus on the season and whatnot. And, obviously, the motivation that comes with wanting to repeat, wanting to improve on what you, what you were able to accomplish last year. And I think it's a, it's a situation that sets up for him to have a, 
a much better year than he did last year, which was already a terrific standard that he set for last season. Um, let's see, David. Did you land on Nussmeier as well? Uh, he was on my list. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I went down to – I actually put three <laughs> quarterbacks on there because I, I figured – it would get <laughs> like those two quarterbacks are going to be taken automatically. Yeah. Um, so my uh, another quarterback we should watch out for is um, Jackson Berry. Of course, Prosper. Yeah. I mean, got him to the Region Two Finals last year against Rockwall, and mm-hmm. like got up to a fourteen to nothing lead over Rockwall in that game, and and in that game he threw for over almost three hundred and fifty yards and four touchdowns against Rockwall. So he's going to be a senior this year, first team All District last year. Um, already got uh, some college offers already. So I mean, he, he's in a, in a district that's going to have some pretty good quarterbacks in there. Oh, absolutely. So I mean he's he's going to be among the best in them. I, I had I had Barry down as well. I talked with their um, with their head coach Brandon Schmidt um, just a couple weeks ago just to kind of get a feel for what they're looking like heading into the season. He is really really high on Prosper's receiving core this season, and obviously he had nothing but praise for the developments that Barry's made mm-hmm. throughout the uh, throughout the summer. But I mean yeah, you look at who they're bringing back on that on that side of the ball. Tyler Bailey, who was the uh, the nine six a offensive newcomer of the year last season. I mean a kid who you can just you can line him up anywhere on the offense, and he's going to produce no ability. Billings, another uh, standout pass catcher. Cameron Harpole, a big target for them at 6-3 at uh, tight ends. I mean, there's certainly no shortage of weapons for Prosper there as well. So, yeah, Barry's a, a very worthy candidate as well. Let's see. Um, and I saw that Rangel, I had Braxton down as well. So, I mean, it feels like one of those four is probably a pretty, a pretty sure bet. Mm-hmm. The situation's set up pretty well for all four of those quarterbacks. Last question of this first episode of our, uh, of our high school football preview. What is one game you have circled on your schedule for the 2020 season? I, I'm not copping out and saying Lone Star and Denton Ryan or because that that could be <laughs> you that, can leave that to me. Then that, that's that's <laughs> that's, that's going to be for seeding, and it could be the first of two games those teams play. I know. Um, you know, I think Lone Star Independence will be fun just yeah. because we we talked about those two quarterbacks, and mm-hmm. that should be a, a high scoring affair. I tend to I like the big. Big showdowns, but I like the crosstown rivalries. Okay, um, that's generally, and that's the thing with with Frisco ISD is they don't have the history. I mean, half their ten schools opened in the last decade, so you know they don't have that yeah. you know longstanding um, like you do in some of like some of my other areas. I mean, you know West Mesquite and Poteet, you know having played you know every you know thirty times, and certainly Mesquite North Mesquite and Horn that group you know plays on an annual basis. But and I, I kind of alluded to them earlier, but Rowlett and Saxe. Um, is usually my favorite game of the year, just regular season game of the it, year. It doesn't disappoint. Because, because yeah, they, they go down to the wire. Like I said, I mentioned last year, you know, 42 to 40. You know, it was kind of a, you know, Rylett won the first eight of the series. Saxe's won six of eight since mm-hmm. then. Um, but beyond the fact that they usually play good games and beyond the fact that there's usually district title implications, it's their proximity that really makes it a mm-hmm. fun atmosphere. I mean, they're separated by five, basically 5.8 miles between the schools just down George Bush mm-hmm. and they're the two newest schools but they've already developed so much history these kids grew up together and again we've talked about it before Garland ISD being choice of school makes for some odd um, some odd you know people coming out yeah I live right next door to Rowlett High School but I go to Saxe and that's allowed as long as you can provide transportation so you get a lot of these guys who grew up when, going to the same elementary school, going to the same middle school. Well, maybe one's supposed to go to Saxe, but his best friend goes to Rowlett, so they talk him into it, and they work it out. He ends up at Rowlett huh. and, and vice versa. Um, and, again, like I say, it's, it's, 
in the regular season, it's that, that the rivalry games tend to bring out more excitement. The, mm-hmm. the fan bases are more into it. The students are more into it. And especially when you have two that close that um, they're friends, but they do not like each other on the field. Uh, a lot of bragging rights. I mean, that's – and this year, um, in years past, they've, a lot of times they played in the season finale. Mm-hmm. This time it's in the district opener. So oh. it's not quite the same stakes, but it could be, especially with the shortened non-district slate, that mm-hmm. could be a game for either team that kind of sets the tone for the rest of their season. Okay. How about you, David? Where'd you land on this? Um, I'm going to go a little bit further away from the the in-town rivalries right here. I'm actually going to go to a week three contest between Capel at Highland Park. Okay. That's going to be October 9th at Highlander Stadium. Um, This is a chance for Capel to see how well they stacked up, how well they're They've improved since last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, last year was the first time they didn't make the playoffs since 2011. Yeah. And um, this week three matchup is the final one before district play starts. So it's a good idea to see, you know, how much their offense has improved last year since last year. Um, this is, you know, Ryan Walker. Um, he came in last year whenever Kevin Schumann got injured a couple times. So this is his first chance, you know, to, you know, see, you know, how far the offense has developed. You know, he's got Anthony Black, you know. All district first team wide receiver who's gotten like you know a bazillion offers Good so man, far. No kidding, man. And uh, KJ Liggins, you know he's a he transferred back uh, to Capel mm-hmm. after being at, at Guyer, and he's got five Division one offers, and he also got you know some other receivers in there. You know Dylan Nelson, DJ, DJ Keyslack, Gavin Osteen, Will Malcolm, and uh, you know they got their running back too. Um, and also you got to think about who they got back on defense too. So it was Capel's a team that grew as last year went along. You know they had to fill like a lot of holes. Um, there's some games where they have like a like all, almost all the the field was like you know a bunch of first year starters so this is a good chance to see where they're at before district play starts and i mean and you're going into a place where i mean <laughs> highland park is is damn near unbeatable yeah only frisco lone star the only team in texas to beat them in highlander stadium since it was in 1998 yes and they when they just shocked them last season so and, and, and depending on who you talk to there's a lot of reasons for that so <laughs> <laughs> So uh, yeah, I mean that is a uh, that's a nice little measuring stick game for the Cowboys as they seek a, a bounce back season after yeah a rare a rare miss in the playoffs for Capel last year out of six six a you know Devin I'll credit you for steering away from the obvious games <laughs> but you gotta mention them and sure enough I mean that's I had two of them down and obviously in there you know obviously the the two between the teams that are all ranked you know in the state's top ten that we have in our coverage area obviously that Ryan Lone Star game jumps off the page as far as potentially the biggest regular season game in five a you know we'll see hopefully hey fingers cross that they're both one and two by the uh, by the time December 4th rolls around and uh, yeah you've got that showdown at CH Collins Stadium ready to go with everything yeah from the district title potentially on the line to seating as well I, the, to, just, to revenge yo, yeah I mean that's and that's obviously where it, uh, where a lot of the anticipation comes from because I remember last year I mean all of the I mean I remember on the podcast when Brian was here and just all of the uh, the excitement and the build up to that state semifinal <laughs> between those two and then Ryan went out there and just beat the trash <laughs> out of uh, out of Lone Star, thirty-five to seven, yeah. wasn't even that close. I mean, the first time that a team really pushed back against this uh, this Lone Star bunch, and I mean, um, I mean, yeah, just the the pass rush that just overwhelmed you know Garrett Rangel that that uh, that afternoon out of the out of the Allen's Eagle Stadium. I mean, it was just it was so impressive the effort that Ryan put together in that uh, in that game. So now, yeah, obviously, uh, you know, Lone Star had some time to really chew on this one, and uh, yeah, I mean, you're looking at it's why I also wonder though the only thing that might hold it back is 
you mentioned it potentially being the first of two meetings. So how much do you show if you're either Ryan or Lone Star? Just under the because obviously again, like you can't just you know, there's no guarantee that they rematch in the playoffs given just you know how far enough they would have to go even for that game to happen. But obviously it's in the back of your mind, not wanting to maybe tip your hand a little too much yeah. just in case you see that team again. I mean, I think that's certainly going to play a small role. I mean, you know, once you get out there, I mean, the kids aren't going to hold anything back. But like you say, from a, a, I guess from a, the coach's perspective, yeah, a schematic you're, standpoint. You're, not gonna, you're not gonna break out the trick play that you have, you know, on, save for a rainy day type yeah. thing in that game. Uh, it may, even if it were to get you to win, mm. because I think both these teams are looking at winning the state championship, mm-hmm. and that means playing 16 games. Yeah. And that means, and so you know, it's it's a it's a process, and you want to be continue to build. Um, you don't want to have that hiccup along the way, but at the same time, you know that there are bigger games, you know, that lay ahead. I do like the fact though that it is at the end of the district schedule versus the beginning, because this is a 19 district. So these schools are only going to get two non-district games. So if like if this was a case like Rowlett Saxe where it's the district opener, I mean you would have these teams potentially playing in the third week of the season when you're still kind of trying to iron out things as far as figuring out just what you really are and you're really not going to get I think in week 3 the uh you know you're not going to get the most realized and final version of these teams versus the end of the season when I mean yeah, you're just you're looking for momentum heading into the playoffs and yeah, that game is uh I mean yeah, number 1 versus number 2 in the state. I mean, how much better does it really get than that? I mean, you also have one over in 6A, though, between number 5 and number 6 in the uh, the 6A preseason poll between Allen and Denton Geyer, a game that actually was initially supposed to be the season opener for both teams, and then realignment, obviously, through that new bit of a tizzy. So, yes, mm-hmm. now, uh, now Allen and Geyer will square off November 13th out at Eagle Stadium out in Allen. Um, you know, Geyer was the uh, the state runner-up last year, you know, whereas Allen, you know, it's usually a, a situation that Allen likes to try to find itself in, you know, and usually in, in contention those, uh, you know, those last couple weeks of the season. Nope. Allen went out in the second round. And <laughs> to who? The very man who's coaching Denton Geyer now, Rodney Webb. Yep. One of the uh, Rodney Webb, one of only four head coaches to defeat Allen in a football game since October of 2012. I mean, that is some prestigious company. Um, so, yeah, and you factor that in with just the talent that he now has to work with. Yeah. You know, his quarterback, Eli Stowers, who actually suffered a knee injury in their state championship game. He was, you know, he recently tweeted out that he's been cleared, you know, and that it's looking like he's going to be on track to play in week one. So that's going to only raise their ceiling. I mean, Allen, you know, despite the personnel, you know, turnover that we talked about earlier, they're going to be far enough along into their development. It's going to be, and then this is mid-November. So you're going to have had, you know, two months essentially to figure all that stuff out. So you're going to get, you know, Allen's going to be far more sure of what it is then Mm -hmm. versus if this game had happened in the season opener, like it was initially supposed to. Um, And obviously, I mean, it's finally a chance for Geyer to kind of punch you back a little bit in this, uh, in this rivalry, they've actually played each other, you know, pretty frequently. They've played four times since 2014, but every game's gone in Allen's favor, and it's gotten progressively worse for, for Geyer. I mean, they started off in 2014. Allen won that game by 14 points. Wasn't even really that close. That was like a four-score game, you know, before Geyer mounted some late offense, you know, in the fourth quarter when things were all but said and done. Then they played again in 2015. Allen won that game by 32 points. Then they were actually in the same district for two years, in 16 and 17. Well, those two games flopped. 
Allen won the uh, won the first meeting by 35 points in 2016, and then they won the 2017 meeting by 38 points. So it's gotten progressively more and more lopsided in favor of Allen. Um, just for whatever reason, just the the Wildcats just were not able to offer up any resistance under uh, under John Walsh. But mm-hmm. with I mean, when you factor in the uh, the web factor and a guy who has played Allen, who beat Allen head up, and then even the year before, even though they lost that area around playoff matchup in 2018, you were there for that one, Dave. I was I there. Yes. I yeah. Mean, that game was just right down to the wire, and Allen got a late touchdown to pull away. I mean. So the Rodney Webb offense gives them fits. And now, granted, he doesn't have a Jackson Smith and Jigba to just completely just rain holy hell on that Allen secondary. But, I mean, still, there is a ton of talent on that Geyer team top to bottom. Yeah, but it's also we talked about earlier, a a new coach taking over a program and trying to implement that. That that system he runs is not easy Mm -hmm. to learn. I mean, I saw him do it at Horn. It took them some time. Uh, But within a season, you know, they were one of the most high-powered offenses around. He goes over to Rockwall, same story. But you wonder – at least it's in the first, especially not having spring practice, and mm-hmm. again with all the delays this year, you wonder if it's going to be the guy or, uh, that he that he wants to to have rather than you know that we'll probably see a year from now. So, yeah, that game, uh, November 13th, Eagle Stadium, Allen versus Denton Geyer, both are ranked in the top six in the uh, the 6A preseason poll. And, yeah, I mean, both figures, I mean, it's the, the expectations are going to be the exact same. Obviously, with what Geyer accomplished last year, they obviously have visions on getting back and contending for a 6A D2 championship. And um, in this this will only be this will likely be the only meeting between those two. Even though they're in the same district, this is not like a Lone Star Ryan situation. Yeah. There is a scenario <laughs> where Geyer would be D1, but that would require, I think, both Braswell and Little Elm making the playoffs, which, you know, it's, uh, I certainly don't favor that being the, uh, yeah. you know, the outcome and whatnot. But um, so, yes, I mean, this could be for all the uh, all the marbles in this one. So, yes, Allen versus Denton Geyer circled on my calendar for November 13th. Come down to Eagle a two-point conversion? Huh? It's going to come down to a two-point conversion? Oh, if so, then be leery of be expect, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> expect anything because do not expect a traditional play. No. Goodness. No. Uh, that might give, that, might give uh, that coaching staff some, uh, some PTSD flashbacks that play last year. <laughs> Which, who was it? Like that, like a tight end that ended up throwing that pass? Do you remember, Devin? I, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to remember. It's, it's, <laughs> Smith and Jigma last, was last season seems like three years ago, yeah, honestly. I know. <laughs> Which you had like Braden Locke and, and, and Jackson Smith and Jigba on the field, and no, it ends up as being, again, just yeah. this complete just... It's, it, it's a very Roddy Webb-like play. Yeah, it's yeah. just... Uh, <laughs> Expect the unexpected. That's the thing, though. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing that you need to push back on Allen, though, is a team that plays with that, that fearlessness and just that confidence, even though you might be and he, again Geyer's ranked higher than Allen and granted it's just by one spot doesn't ultimately mean much but yeah. I mean but again like this is a guy who's who knows who does who doesn't back down from the from the Allen mystique and yeah. that's I mean yeah he's got his you know a team that is just littered with D1 talent so I'm, I'm so fired up for that game later on this year and yes that is uh, at least four down and uh, yeah an early look at uh, some of the uh, the early storylines for our high school football uh, preview we'll, um, we'll be back next week for part two touch on four more questions and yes that'll conclude this episode of the star local media high school sports podcast it is good to be back guys <laughs> it, feels <laughs> good. Too, it feels great it has been too long yeah. so uh, yes until then folks you take care we will talk to y'all later looking to hire top talent in your community look no further than starlocaljobs.com our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all. 
HiringStarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.